2: That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach, with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for
0: Hey, thanks for being here today, Jesse. Yeah, I'm excited. This is cool. Very cool, yeah. Great. So you have a new EP on the way, right? I do. Uh, The project Race the Tide, uh, it's a new seven-song EP, and comes out March 23rd. It'll be everywhere. Excellent. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, We recorded it um, at this studio, these two studios in L.A., one called Whispering Pines, which is actually Lord Huron's studio, if you're a fan of that band. I am. And uh, we did it also at Sound 69. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, the five of us just wanted to make something that was haunting um, had a little bit of a Southern California vibe, a little ethereal, but really organic as well. Um, you know, we all played real instruments on the on the mm-hmm. record. And, you know, I grew up listening to Neil Young and Tom Petty. Um, but there's a lot of bands now that are coming up and adding these tastes of the 80s and 90s that I yeah. sort of have fallen in love with. So uh, I guess I kind of classify this record as like, a hair of Jeff Buckley, some uh, War on Drugs, um, Lil' Ryan Adams, something in that world.
2: Yeah, I hear all that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good description. Cool. And you co-produced the album yourself with Justin Talkett?
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Justin and I did it together. Um, you know, I've made records in the past, and I just wanted to grab the reins a little bit on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the band had a lot to say, too. You know, Justin taught me this, actually. He's like, you know, a great record is is casting. Yeah, um, race the tide is is my project, but the guys who played on it really lent their talents in an amazing way. Um, so tell me a few of who the collaborators yeah. are. Um, this great drummer in L.A., Rob Humphries, um, played drums. Uh, a few songs also by a guy named Gavin Salmon. Um, they both switched off on that. Uh, the bass player Tyler Carroll, who you've seen with uh, Alan Stone. Mm. Um, guitar player Ken Belcher, who's fantastic. Just. A fantastic player just gets a lot of environmental sound stuff um and then the keyboards were split between this one guy mark mckee and another guy named ben alamo who's played with um so many people this year he was with uh, grace potter wow. and he was with ryan adams um he's played with better than ezra i met him a oh, few cool. years ago he's he's a Nashvilleian. we're here in memphis so he's a Nashvilleian. um so yeah i had him him lay keyboards down on the road with ryan adams and it's just, I just said, I trust you guys. I think you guys have great taste. Send me what you got. And just with a little direction, we found a lot of cool yeah. stuff. Yeah.
2: And how were you recording that? Was that on analog or digital?
0: Everything was digital. Um we wanted to go analog, but obviously yeah. that's a lot more expensive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we did, we actually tracked the band live. The only thing that we overdubbed was a few of the keyboards that Ben did. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had Mark doing keys in studio. I, it was important to me to get this organic vibe. Cause I knew that some of it was going to be ethereal mm-hmm. and I wanted to let some of the errors come through. I wanted to let, um, that realness of the band come through, but, I also wanted to try to live in that SoCal dreamy thing, too. Was the recording process challenging in any way? Um, You know, it kind of was. When we we showed up at Whispering Pines, when I went to look at the studio the first time, Mm -hmm. there's all this gear there. It looks great. I show up on recording day, and all of the hardware gear was almost all gone. (laughs) And I was like, where's the stuff? He's like, oh. Another band brought in all that hardware. you got to bring in some of your own hardware. Yikes. So I spent the next two days tracking down hardware here and there. So that was probably the only challenge. Uh, of course, we had a few computer crashes as it goes along. But I will say that the band and the actual instrumentation, the playing of it, was super smooth. I had a really supportive group, and everyone was just great. Yeah. So it made it easy. Not too many takes. It was great.
2: So what prompts you to re- release this material as Race the Tide versus Jesse Mock.
0: Yeah. Um... You know, I'll be honest, Uh, when I was doing my stuff as Jesse Mocked only, Mm -hmm. I'd be classified by a lot of people before they'd even listen to me as white boy with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And I just got a bit resentful of being classified before anyone would listen to me, you know, judging a book by its cover. So Uh um, I thought, you know, I was looking at some of the bands that I really like, and this name, Race the Tide, was something that I wanted to call the record, the album, and I thought, this might give it a fresh take. Nobody's going to classify it. And they're just going to listen to it and see what it is. So I decided to leave that. Let alone, my last name is easy to pronounce, Mocked, yeah. if you know it. But when you read it, sure. people are like, Macked? Matched? Macht. So I was sick of that, too. So Race the Tide was the way to go. Yeah.
2: Now, I understand that you recently uh, had some
0: health issues. Is that right? I had a little bit. I just, uh, yeah, a few years ago... Um, When I would play shows, Mm -hmm. uh, my heart would beat really fast. And everyone would say, you're nervous, you're nervous. Uh, I was like, I'm really nervous. Like, of course, maybe some natural nerves, but not to the degree of what it felt like. And I must have had it since I was a kid, but it it just felt more intense the older I got, Mm -hmm. probably the more paranoid I got. Um, And um, eventually I wore a heart monitor for a show, and my heart beat up to 260 beats per minute, which is about 100 beats faster yeah. than, uh, than what it should when you're exercising. Wow. So I had something called an SVT which is just an extra electric impulse on your heart so everyone's got one and I had another one that would turn on when my adrenaline would pump. So I had two heartbeats. So that's why it was 260. But it's a pretty remarkable uh, uh, thing that they do to get rid of it. They put you out they, and they go into your body and they uh, send a radio wave and they essentially cauterize the extra electric impulse and then it's gone forever. Wow. So they they kept saying it's a really good procedure. And I was like, "What? Good procedure?" Cuz they're really proud that it's such a cool thing that it gets rid of it forever. So it's dangerous in that if that turns on, you can pass out, you can have a heart attack, you're driving, that's, you know, you crash into a pole. But it's also really an amazing procedure that you can be cured of it. So Anything that I feel of it now is just phantom pains, phantom worries. But it was a scare for me. It was, it was definitely my first tactile, personal bout with my mortality. So that affected me. Did that
2: fuel your creativity? That you've recently seen a you know an uptick in?
0: Yeah, I, I think what it did was it it um, really made me take the present moment more personally mm-hmm. and make music that I want to make and, and chase it as best I can and put it all out there and see, see what turns, you know? I think that was the reason I co-produced this record um, and I directed a music video. I just felt like, who knows how much time you have to do this business? Yeah. Who knows how much time you have to do anything? I just at least want to put it all out there and then I can go about my life and say, well, I have no regrets. So. Mm-hmm. That
2: was it. You've definitely been putting yourself all in. I mean, you've been busy lately. Um, Tell me a little bit about your house concert series that you've been putting on.
0: Yeah. um, Well, doing this Diddy TV thing was cool because it was kind of like a filmed home concert almost. Um, You know, when I started out doing a band, I was in a band for many years in college and after called Burn Down the Mission. And uh, when I had to start over again, when that band ended... I just thought about going to all these little bars and playing to ten people and it smells like vomit, and how am I <laughs> going to get people to come yeah. down, you know, and check me out? And I thought, you know, why don't I, if I go to people's homes and throw a party, just throw a potluck, I'll play in your living room. Like, I don't care. I'm I'm the kind of person who wants to talk to people and meet people, and I'm not really afraid of the intimacy of that. I'm just trying to get my music out there. And hustling for ten people in dirty bars just didn't feel like something I wanted to do anymore. Yeah. So... I started it at friends' houses, and the effect that I got just the, from the intimacy, from talking to people, from telling the stories behind my songs, um, from just being right there with people, it just felt so much more fulfilling for me and for them. So I did that for one tour, and then the second tour, I pitched uh, those Airstream trailers, you know, those, like, silver Twinkie trailers. Yeah. I, uh, I said, you know, maybe you guys could be my home away from home. And I can take one with me. Would you be into it? And I want to go to people's houses, but I don't want to be the only one who's performing. Can I see if there are people in the audience who want to share something that they're passionate about? I, I love music, but I'm not like a musician's musician that's just listening to music. Mm-hmm. And I listen to podcasts, and mm-hmm. I listen to all sorts of different kinds of stuff in the car, books on tape, you know, like most of us. Yeah. And, um I wanted to share that aspect into me. Who, who in the audience has something to share? Are mm-hmm. you a doctor who does uh, cancer research? Are you an advocate for something? Are you uh, politically inclined? Are you a poet? Are you another musician? I wanted to bring the audience in so that it was more of a reciprocal experience, and Airstream was totally down for that, and I did a tour of that last fall. I'm going to do it again this summer, and it was just a much more fulfilling experience, the, the sharing of what makes us all inclined to live just was so much more fulfilling as a concert so it was really cool and I'm just trying to uh, grow them they're called Sunsets at I call mm-hmm. them that so everything is like Instagram Sunsets at Facebook Sunsets at Sunsets and I, at and then the name of the city right yeah so I'll do like Sunsets at Nashville yeah or, you know if somebody has a name for their house like we did one, Sunsets at Great Scott because the oh, house cool. was on Scott Avenue so yeah that's uh, where it came from
2: tell me um, is there a specific story or example that you have of one
0: that stands out of one of
2: these experiences
0: where someone shared? Sure. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of them. Like each one is really amazing. And the houses you turn up to are unreal. Um, you know, I did one at, uh, I, I like to do the one actually I did at my house, um, because I got to really go into my community. Now, that said, every community I visited was awesome. Like, when we were in Pennsylvania, it's the mushroom capital of the world aside from China. And wow. I don't mean uh, psychedelic mushrooms, but shiitake mushrooms. And mm-hmm. so we had the um, the head of, like, the mushroom advocacy group come and share all these mushrooms. And it was really interesting. It was, like, science class. It was cool. Um, but the one we did at my house, uh, I had the Silver Lake Chorus come and perform. And they were really cool sort of hipster uh, performing Arts group, and they sang all these songs that were originally crafted by Tegan and Sarah mm. and um got them blanking with the microphone, but all a bunch of indie artists that you would that you would know yeah, and then we had a uh uh succulent um a succulent stylist essentially create and teach everybody how to maintain their succulents. Wow. So everyone got to go home with plant life and learn how to do it. Um, and then we also had this group called Story Pirates, which is a famous national group that takes stories from kids and acts them out makes turns them into scripts and acts them out and they're just over the top and funny um you can actually see that video if you go on to sunsets at you can see the whole thing that happened so it's really eclectic you never know what you're going to get you know and i try to make it as interactive as possible so we've had beer you know creators and you're drinking the beers and testing them all out we had this mushroom guy bring that around we had um we had a, a, a yoga person come and do yoga. We had, my girlfriend um, is really uh, a breathing specialist. We did some of that in the concert tonight. And uh, she taught everybody all these, like, um, therapeutic breathing exercises. So it's, it's remarkable to see how much interest there is out there and to try and reciprocate that back to the audience. Excellent, man. That sounds like a really interesting thing. It's cool. It's, it's really fun. Yeah, I hope to do a lot more of them.
2: So are you seeing good reception so far to the singles that you've released for your...
0: Yeah, people are excited about it. Um, I mean, obviously I'm excited about it, but I think people are surprised with a little bit of a new sound, but it's still familiar. Yeah. Um, And, you know, today we did it in here, acoustic, and I can still do the records just acoustic by myself, but the band sounds fantastic. So I find that the records are really good on a long drive. Yeah. So if you're on a drive, stick it on, let all the songs bleed into each other. Um, I'm really excited about uh, "New Blood." I think it's a cool song, and um, "Every Mile" as well. So,
2: is that the one "Every Mile," the one about Montana? Yeah, that's a smooth song. I, could you tell me a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, um, you know, it, it, I explained it in the thing, so people can tune into what the song's about. Um, but I guess the w- one thing I didn't speak about was yeah, I'm a Ryan Adams fan, mm-hmm. and when I grew up on MTV, there was one video. It's like a pre-teen that I was always sort of hypnotized by, which was Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. <laughs> and aside from the beauty that was in that video, yeah. the song is just amazing. And uh, Ryan Adams has a song called Stay With Me okay. um, on his self-title record. And I, those songs must have been in my brain when I was writing, and I had just gotten back from Montana. I was just in love with the Purple Mountains majesty out there, Yellowstone and, and uh, Livingston, Montana. And I wanted to write a song that reminded me of The Road, and was a love song. And I just knew that those, the songs that kind of influenced that vibe mm-hmm. in me were those two I mentioned. So I, I was chasing that down. So how important is live performance for you, that experience? You know, especially with the home concerts, but any experience, that's what you live for. I think the reason I continue to play music and hustle in a really challenging career path is that when you're, when I'm playing music, it's really the one moment I feel really present. Mm -hmm. I don't think about the future. I don't really think about the past. I'm, I'm in that moment. And it's a hard thing to do in life. I think, um, it's a hard thing to remember, at least for me, I don't want to talk about anybody else, but for me, it's a real challenge to be present and music playing it performing it live it forces me to be there so i try to hold on to those moments and when i'm not performing i spend so much time trying to get back to performing because i'm chasing that high of feeling like i'm alive i'm here on this planet how grateful am i to be here and you come from a family of actors correct yeah yeah which which is really what acting's all about right trying yeah i was going to
2: make that connection
0: yeah it's it's really about trying to inhabit this character uh-huh. and live in that moment there. I, uh, what
2: have you learned from acting as a...
0: Assuming you're not an
2: actor yourself. Or... I do some acting. Okay. I, I do act a bit. Well, what have you learned from acting that you can apply to your musical
0: yeah, pursuits? Yeah, I, I think exactly that. I think um, staying in the moment and trying to react to what happens mm-hmm. and not uh, try to control the situation so much. Again, home concerts are a really interesting experience because people are right there, and there's no lights. There's no reverb on the microphone. Right. You know, you're know, you just there. And people will laugh or cry or you know, sort of heckle you a bit. And at a venue, some artists can be very controlling and don't want that interaction. And I try to, to live in that and try to let it be part of the show and let it be part of the experience because it is. So don't deny it. Um, so I guess that's... That's what the acting has lent, to try and let the environment influence whatever's going to happen in that moment. I don't do as much acting, and I haven't been as passionate about it as my father and my brother because I just never wanted to wait for somebody else to give me a job. I wanted to be yeah. able to pick up my guitar, p- piano, sing, and go play on a street corner if I need to, you know? I yeah. can't really do that as an actor necessarily. <laughs> um, so I guess that's the real difference in why I've chased my, my musical dreams
2: you have a music video out
0: now for your song, The Enemy. Yeah. Is that your dad in the video? Uh, Yes. He's not supposed to play my dad in the video. Um, So people, I hope that some people know, um, but hopefully most people don't know. Uh, But yeah, it is, you know, my dad growing up, my dad's got a powerful voice. He's an actor. He's a charismatic guy. Uh He's got an intimidating face as well. And he's played the bad guy in a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. So I wanted an intimidating sort of presence in the video, um, the song is called The Enemy, and it's about uh, confronting your own subconscious, your own enemies inside of you. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it was some sort of subconscious uh, way of confronting, you know, something that I knew yeah. that was very powerful and having to go up against it. And uh, and so I was really grateful that he, he did it. He was excited to do it. It was fun to direct him. <laughs>
2: When I first watched the video, I hadn't quite got my headphones on yet. And so I was just watching the video footage play, and I was drawn in immediately and was just like, what is this? You know, there's footage of a a guy with an axe and some other kind of like primal and sort of aggressive behaviors and things going on. And then I went back and listened to it again with the audio and was just like, this is interesting. I mean, what was the inspiration for that sort of black and white, I don't know how you would describe it, noir vignettes of... yeah dream-like sequences
0: and things like that. Could you go into detail about what that was about? Totally. Um, well, you got it. I mean, it was supposed to feel dreamlike. You know, the thing I talked about with the cinematographer and, and my buddy who co direct not really, you know, he's my AD on it, was I wanted to create a space where things were just popping out of the dark. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're laying in your bed, you know, and you uh, see maybe some image in the darkness in the corner and you get a little nervous... Um, I wanted to play with size and um, understanding the space, so the first goal was to create these vignettes that some were big, some were small, yeah um, you know you felt like you were looking at the front of my face, you were at the back you just didn 't know where you were. I wanted to give this real sense of ambiguity of understanding your space mm-hmm. um, so that was the that was the sort of technique and challenge of it because in your, in my dreams at least, you can lose that sense of understanding where you are, and knowing where you stand. Yeah. Whether that's psychologically or physically, so I wanted to chase that sort of experience with five hundred dollars and a bunch of friends doing me favors. So we shot it in black and white on a stage not so different than this, um, and I think we, I think we got a lot of that trying to just make the audience feel like they were being thrown around. And the challenge was, yeah, confronting your enemies. And these are all these different vignettes of people confronting their own enemies. And there's this sort of subtle thing that you see a kid and then an older version of him working out on the axe, and then you see my father, and you're like, all right, is this sort of a man's journey? There's the same thing going on with a woman. There are these couples that are going through. There might be some cheating on stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. All subtle stories that you read into but that was the direction I was giving everybody that we're all sort of one in the same and we're also sort of one in the same in space that we hold so much space for ourselves um, and we're so, we can be very egocentric to who we are and what we're doing but we're only one little piece and sometimes we're very big and sometimes we're very small, sometimes we're very grounded sometimes we're very lost so a lot of it, a lot of heady stuff going into it, that's the artist it looks really cool cool too yeah. Oh,
2: I appreciate it. Mission accomplished. Good. And so to circle back around, you went to school in St.
0: Louis, correct? Yeah. What led you to St. Louis? Um so I grew up in LA and I had family in New York, so I was always doing LA and New York. And I maybe it's a it was, it's a pattern here, but I was resentful of this fear of being bicoastal and not understanding what this country was about. Okay. Um for me, it was deciding to go to a really liberal arts school in Vassar or going to Washington University in St. Louis, which is a really good school, well-rounded school in the middle of the country. And a girlfriend of mine, not my girlfriend, but you know, a girlfriend of mine sort of looked at me and she's like, you're going to be in New York, like in L.A. probably for most of your life. And can you imagine being in this small town, Poughkeepsie, New York, for one year, two years? What about being in St. Louis? Think about all these other cities you can go to. Nashville, Memphis, Oklahoma City, Chicago, Lexington, Austin. Like, and all the people you would meet and something you would never do otherwise. So as soon as we had that conversation, I, my decision was made. I just thought, that's vital. I want to get a sense of what people are like. Mm-hmm. I had an instinct my last year of high school that I wanted to be in music. That was the thing I wanted to do. And I didn't want to go to music school. I ended up studying anthropology. And it was for that same reason. I wanted to understand culture and people and gain as much perspective as a white guy, you know, from a middle class, upper middle class family can, you know, in this world. How can I gain as much perspective as I can and let that influence my music and try to stay as reflective and, and curious about the world? So... One way to do that was to go to school somewhere I never thought I would end up, and I'm glad I did. And now I travel the country a lot more than I think I ever would have if I That's awesome. didn't do
2: Do you think being in, you know, the central United States affected your interest in Americana and roots music, or was that something that had already sort of been growing in you?
0: Um, I think both. I think both, you know. Like, stylistically, I was probably already in that world a little mm-hmm. bit. I... Grew up listening to Tom Petty and Jeff Buckley, so um, that was the stuff I knew that I wanted to emulate. Um, but being in the middle of the country and having access to Texas and uh, Tennessee, right? And hearing the uh, performance colleagues doing it with me um, was really cool. I I got to see Kings of Leon come from nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just. Really cool to be in the middle of the country and see music come from there. I had really come from Los Angeles pop, and I knew that really well. I, I got guitar lessons from James Valentine and Maroon 5. He was a yeah. He was five years older than I was. Um, so, uh, and uh, Maroon 5 was Cara's Flowers, and they were the Brentwood High School L.A. band. So they were like this band to look up to uh, yeah. um, coming from L.A., and I was in that pop L.A. world. So I, I knew it and I wanted to get outside of it and see what else there was too. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. So, what is your, you know, what's a reason for you to be in music ultimately? Like, where, what are you after in this?
0: Yeah. Um, ultimately, I think it's, it's both personal and, um, and something I want to give. I mean, for me, there's no question that selfish high of being in the moment that I chase after. Um, I think it's also finding kinship that this is a real way to share my emotional truth and see if I'm not alone in the world Mm -hmm. and if I can help anybody see that they're not alone in the world too at these moments, um, that that's something that's fulfilling. I think as I've gotten older and playing music and seeing where there's a real reality of making a living doing it, these home concerts and just being a vessel to help other people share their passions and learn, um, I think that's that's clearly like this pattern that I'm going through in my life, like going to St. Louis, as you say, yeah. you did, and uh, studying anthropology and like music has just been something that comes through me naturally and I just want to use it as a device to communicate with different people, to meet people like you, to come here and see a space like this, to have home concerts and inspire other people to know that their story is just as interesting as any musician. Um, You know, music has opened up that world for me, and as well, the selfish high of just being feeling alive. Yeah. So what's next for you? So what's next is to promote... The heck out of this record. Um, I just want to, you know, play it around and create this home content series. Continue that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a music video coming out uh, next week. The song dianu is going to come out. Oh, cool. So I'm excited to do that. Um, there's a lot of art in that too, so people should look out for that. um and I directed that one as well. So dianu's music video is coming out. I start shooting New Blood's music video. Um, and I go from there. We'll see. You know, I'm I'm doing a lot of writing with different artists too. Okay. And I'm hoping to to uh, continue to do that. So if there are artists out there who are looking for songwriters, I I love doing that as a part of my career. I do that as well. So uh, I'm hoping to do a lot more writing and and just keep spreading my wings. See how it goes. <laughs>
2: and you're online. You have a website.
0: Yeah. Everything is Race the Tide Music. So Race the Tide Music dot com. Instagram Race the Music. YouTube, Race the Tide Music, everything. So Excellent. You can find me there. All right, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here today, Justin. Oh, Jessica. my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house? The happy family? The money? 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Were they shot? Were they shot? Would you kill? Yes. My mom is dead. My mom is right there. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new True Crime History Podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz You don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.